Good morning again. So nice to see you all. Your bright, smiley faces. Whether you're with us here on site, whether you're joining us here online, again, we want to thank you for joining us for the third installment in our series, Pack Your Bags. Listen, we are really thankful that you're with us. Um, what, do they, what do they say on the airlines? We know that you have lots of choices when you choose to travel. I mean, go to church. And so we're thankful that you've trusted us uh, this morning. We're glad that you're part of our Hammock Street community. A little bit about the series. Here's what we're doing in this series. We've been addressing a situation that is common to every person. Whether we're aware of it or not, we're all heading into a new season but we're all doing it in different ways. Some of us know what that new season is before we get there. You may be heading into one of those predictable new seasons yourself. Maybe you're about to have a child. Matt, is, Matt and Christina are away. That's what they're about to do. Maybe your child's about to start school or about to leave home for school. Maybe you and your spouse are about to become empty nesters. I'm one. I highly recommend it. Maybe you have aging parents. Maybe you took a new job. Maybe you just moved to town. Or maybe the new season that you're going into isn't going to be an easy one like those. It's going to be more challenging. Maybe, maybe you've lost a job. Or maybe you've changed careers. Or, or maybe you've recently moved here, but you didn't necessarily choose to move here. Or you had to move here. Or maybe in your life, you've lost someone that you love, or you've lost a relationship, and now your life looks a bunch or a bit different than it used to. No matter what the transition is, there are things that we can do now to get ready for what's coming next. That's why this series is called Pack Your Bags, because we're talking about how to prepare for what's next, how to prepare for the known and the unknown to come, because one thing that we know is that transitions happen. Some we can see coming some we can't. It's interesting when you think about it, we've made so much progress over the last few years when it comes to knowing stuff in advance, comes to being able to understand what's coming up in advance. Nowadays, we have so much more information available to us about future events, and here's what I mean by that. In the past, and those of you who are roughly my vintage will, will understand what I'm talking about, when we were going somewhere new, we really didn't know much about the place that we were going to. Like, for example, we used to get just these tourist brochures. We got them from the gas station, or we got them from the hotel lobby, or the, or the International House of Pancakes in the town that we went to. And, and these brochures gave us, at best, just kind of a general sense of the place we're going to. Now, the one I have on the screen is actually from a, uh, a tourist attraction called Africa USA, which seems a little politically incorrect now, but there it is. And actually, that was the major tourist attraction here in Boca Raton in 1953. Do you know that? In fact, when you're out here, out in the western part of town, and you hear those green parrots screeching, or you see them up on the telephone lines and all that, you are actually hearing descendants of the green parrots from Africa, USA, which were released when it closed in 1961. That is the truth. That's where we get those crazy green parrots from. Actually, some of the, uh, 
Some of the peacocks that are in some of the other areas, they too come from Africa, USA. They're descendants uh, from, those, from those birds. Now, you could get a sense of the place that you were going to when you looked at these brochures, but you really had no way of knowing how current the information was until you got there, until you arrived at the destination. Another way we used to learn stuff was billboards, road signs. Anybody know these? Yeah, if you've driven up and down the eastern seaboard, you're familiar with south of the border. Every child who has ever traveled north and south on the eastern seaboard has seen and been enticed by these also no longer politically correct signs for south of the border. Now, in our childish imaginations, this is the only place we ever wanted to go. Even if you were going somewhere that was really a tourist destination, when you saw these signs, this south of the border must have been this magical place. And we begged our parents to take us there because their billboard game was so strong. But once we got there, no matter how excited we might have been, <laughs> south of the border turned out to be a truck stop. Well, today, we have apps, right? We have Waze, we have Apple Maps, and those things give you up-to-the-minute route information and give you traffic reports in real time. We took my son to the airport the other day. We were using Waze, and we knew exactly how long it would take us. We knew exactly where the traffic was, incredibly accurate. Also, there are sites like Yelp and TripAdvisor that can give you the precise condition of the tourist attraction that you're going to, or, or let you know exactly how good the food is if you've chosen a restaurant you've been hearing about, or a hotel, you could check that out as well. Beth and I, my wife and I, have gotten into the habit of always checking with these new tools before setting off on any adventure, big or small. But sadly, there is no app available that can give you all that advanced information about your life. No, with life, nothing you try to do to prepare you for whatever is coming can actually ensure that you're going to do well in the new season, even if you have done your homework. Here are a few truisms about transitions in life. One is this, seeing what's coming next doesn't ensure success in the next season because you can't always see what you need to see. Or this one, knowing the details about the next season doesn't ensure your happiness in the next season because knowledge about things isn't everything. In fact, another way to say that is seeing what's coming next doesn't ensure knowing what the next season will require. Just because you know what season is coming doesn't mean you'll have everything you need to be ready for that season. Now, with that said, we're not entirely without help. Because whatever season we're about to go into, whatever season we're about to be in, someone else has experienced it already. Someone else has had an experience that may not be completely the same as ours, because, of course, we're all different. But when you really think about it, it's probably pretty close, because there isn't as much mystery in life as you might think. I always tell people, we all have, you know, barring tragedy or injury, two eyes and two ears and two arms and two legs. And, and we all kind of go through the same kind of life at the same kind of time. There was an old uh, 
Twilight Zone episode where essentially there were five different kinds of lives in the episode and everybody is playing out one of those different kinds of lives. And it's not entirely accurate, but, but it's, it's, it's pretty close. The truth is, many of our stories are pretty similar. And when we move into a new season, the things that we might expect are also pretty similar. That means that we can benefit from the wisdom of others. Doesn't that make sense? I keep trying to tell my sons that. We have two adult sons. I'm always telling them, guys, what's that uh, commercial? I've, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. Yeah, you can benefit from someone else who has experienced what you're about to experience or someone else who knows what you don't know. For instance, someone else has already gone through their first year in college. So if you're about to go through your first year in college, you talk to them. Someone else has already gone through a new marriage. Someone else has already gone through what it's like to have a first child or a second child or a third child or a fourth child. Somebody has already gone through what it's like for the kids to move out of the house. Someone has already gone through what it's like to be a single parent, a single mom, a single dad, or even a couple that's becoming an empty nest couple. Somebody's already been through what it's like to have aging parents. I could go on, but you get the point. Suffice it to say, just because you don't know, doesn't mean you can't know. We can all lean on the experiences of others to give us what we need for the next season. So last week, in a message that we called motion sickness, we talked about what you can pack. Here are some things you need to pack for your new journey. If you remember, I told you about my leg pillow and my eye mask and my motion sickness packet, uh, patches. I've actually since then been invited out on a boat. Like, that's what you got out of that? That I want to go on a boat? Really? Anyway. But there are other things that we all need for a journey. You might not need the motion sickness patches. I hope you don't. We all need a phone charger, for instance, don't we? Right? Do you guys have this down to a science yet? You have them in your house, you have them in your car, you carry a battery in your backpack, your briefcase. You, oh, you got to be charged all the time, right? And a lot of people won't go anywhere without our headphones or our earbuds. I have a carrying case carried on my waist all the time. I can't listen to other people talk. I don't know what that's about, but there I am. And if you're driving anywhere, you need something or someone to tell you how to get there. Now, back in the day, anyone who drove used to know how to use one of these. This is giving young people anxiety. I understand that. And it makes sense because you needed decades of training, years of field work to master how to use this thing. Folding it wasn't even easy. And once you mastered it, then, then that, it's called a map. Once you mastered the map, it wasn't even reliable because roads changed and roads closed. And if there was an accident or something, obviously you couldn't see it on the paper map. And you'd have no way of knowing what happened until you're right up on the accident. So these maps were only moderately reliable at best. What we really needed back then was a person, someone who had a good sense of direction. Now, by the way, for me, that's Beth, my wife. She grew up in New York City. She grew up in Brooklyn. If you're a New Yorker or you know a couple, and if you're here, you know a couple, you might already know this, but if not, I'll tell you, New Yorkers are typically great with directions. So great, in fact, that it used to be quite common for a New Yorker to get into a taxi cab and make it a point to tell the cab driver, the professional driver, that no matter how he planned on getting you to your destination, you knew a better way to go. No, 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 no. 
you're going to go take 6th Avenue, you get off 10 minutes earlier by the bridge, you're on your way. I think it's born of necessity. In New York, so many people take public transportation instead of driving. They have to know where they're going, and they have to know how to get there. My son lives up there now, and he spent his first few weeks, and by the way, he showed no interest in directions when he lived here, but spent his first few weeks in the city figuring out where everything was and how everything worked. Because if he wanted to know how to get to his classes or buy his groceries, he needed to. It was critical. Anyway, Beth, Beth always knows where she is, and she always knows where she's going. Long before GPS allowed people like me to believe that I have that skill, Beth has that skill. Now, in stark contrast, that's where I come up. Many of you might not know this about me, and this is probably the first place I'm ever going to admit this in public, but I have absolutely no sense of direction. Absolutely no. You, You cannot believe how bad my sense of direction is. I suffer from topographical agnosia, That is a real condition. Don't mock me. What it means is this. I never know where the heck I am, ever. Never, ever. I have lived in South Florida my whole life, and I still have no idea how to get anywhere. I get lost in in Miami, my hometown. I get lost here in Boca, where I've lived for decades. Whenever I turn right, You can almost set your watch by it. Whenever I turn right, there's a 99% probability that I should have turned left. Every single time. I get lost in parking lots. I get turned around in gas stations. I get confused in the mall. I'll come in in the menswear and whatever store, and I walk out and go, I have no idea how I got in here. I never know which way I'm going. As you might imagine, being married to Beth, My lack of sense of direction drives her crazy. She is so efficient in how she gets places, and I am so not. She can't understand how a grown person can be this incompetent when it comes to something so basic. And for more than 30 years, she has been asking me this question, how do you get anywhere when I'm not in the car with you? For the record, my standard answer is it takes longer, but it's quieter. Incidentally, young married guys, do not try that one at home. It is a line to be used by seasoned marriage professionals only. (laughs) To finish the story, in 2012, my life changed drastically when the iPhone began including Apple Maps. I actually still celebrate the anniversary of its release, September 19th, for those of you keeping score. That was a great day in my life. Remember the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You guys remember that? It's a show that's been around for a while. It's been around internationally. It's actually coming back this season. Do you remember what you could do if you can't remember a question, an answer to a question? What do you do? Yeah, a lifeline. Call a friend. Your lifeline. You get a phone call to a friend. And that's what we're going to talk about today in our message, Know What You Don't Know. So let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for gathering us together to study your word, to understand you a little bit better to draw closer to you. So God, as we continue on, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You need people in your life who've been through what you're going through so they can tell you what you don't know about what you're about to experience. Just knowing 
doesn't mean we'll all do it. So to help us get there, we need to consider this question. Do we have the right people on speed dial? Do we have a relationship with the people who really know what we don't know? Who really know what we're about to go through and are we willing to listen to those people? Now, this is especially tricky for those of you who are moving into a new season of life. For example, you might be newly in love, and if you are, good for you. God bless you. Being in love, though, is such a confusing time. Nearly everyone's been there, though. So if you find yourself walking through that situation, you can probably find someone to talk to for support and guidance. And maybe you're dealing with something having to do with your family during this season. Now that, as you know, can be an emotional situation. And you'd certainly benefit from advice from somebody on the outside. Perhaps you're about to move into a season in which you're going to have to make some financial decisions. That one's pretty tough. I spent a lot of years helping people who'd made bad decisions with regard to their finances. So I know how emotional it can be. The help of another person there is vital. We need to have the ability to pick up the phone and call the right people. Now, by the way, I have to address, I guess I'll address all of us. I won't single out any age groups, but when I say call the right people, I mean call the right people. Texting the right people is not the same, okay? You guys know every one of us has had a text conversation that went the wrong way because they didn't understand our tone. I was being funny. I was being sarcastic. I was making a joke. No, call. I know it's hard. I know it's awkward. Call. All right? All right. So far, nothing too controversial? Okay. You're probably all thinking, yep, got that. Done. Got it covered. And maybe you do. But let's hang out here for a minute. Because this issue bumps up against another foundational pillar of our lives in America. You see, when the United States was coming out of the Great Depression, it was faced with national poverty. So the president at the time, President Herbert Hoover, advocated against the use of government programs, which he feared would lead to mass dependence on government aid. Isn't this interesting how things never change? He, he didn't want to rely on government aid to alleviate the issues facing the country. So instead, what Hoover said was this. He referred to America's driving ideology as, and you've heard this before, one of rugged individualism. That's who we're thought of. That's how we're thought of as Americans. And from that moment, Americans began to turn from their traditional supportive communities, their church communities, their local communities, their ethnic communities, and direct their attention inward toward themselves. You start to hear sayings like, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Or I need to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And though we might be tempted to think that that's good advice, that isn't God's advice. God does not intend for us to go through this life alone. God's position on this goes all the way back to the creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. That's the moment where he created the companion, the helper, the woman. Indeed, God has designed it so that we, all of us as believers in Jesus, together make up what we call the body of Christ. One body. Just, for just as each of us has one body with many members, 
And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God didn't create us to, and God doesn't want us to go it alone. He's given each one of us gifts and talents so that we can work together and we can complement each other. Now, in order to do this, we're going to need to open up to each other. We're going to need the right people on speed dial. And this applies to you whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. This is a universal truth. And this universal truth is this. It doesn't matter what you believe about faith, and it doesn't matter where you are in life. All of us, at some point in the next couple of days, months, or years, are going to be heading into a new season. And whether or not we are willing to open up our lives and invite other people in is going to determine how that season goes. This is critical. So now, let's take a look at the writings of an ancient king who left us with a lot of poetry as well as wisdom in a book known in the Hebrew as Mishé Shlomo, also known as the Proverbs of Solomon. We call it Proverbs. Solomon now, he was regarded as the wisest man that ever lived. And somewhat ironically, it was Solomon who had more to say about seeking the counsel of others than anyone else in his day. So in Proverbs chapter 11, Solomon said this, For lack of guidance, a nation fails, or a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. All right, now this short verse can hold a vital key to living the abundant life for which God created us. Solomon said, you will experience victory in your life. Your life will be better. Your life will be happier. Your life will be fuller if you use your lifelines, if you invite others in for their advice and counsel. Now, I've never met anybody who didn't agree with that, at least in theory. But there is a disconnect. We all know the value of wise counsel, but we have a difficult time consistently seeking wise counsel. Now, why is that, do you suppose? Well, let's take a few moments to look at some of the big excuses to that question. What keeps us from asking for help from others? That's the first question. Now, the first reason that we hesitate to ask is that we already think we know the answer. We don't ask for help because we already know the answer. And this scenario is illustrated by the classic trope that men never ask for directions. You've heard that one before, haven't you? After 39 and a half years of wandering in the desert, Mrs. Moses secretly asked for directions. Now, I've already explained to you, when it comes to directions, I'm not afflicted with this problem. I know that I don't know how to get anywhere. I've made my peace with that. But it certainly applies to me with a ton of other situations. I never even thought about seeking anyone's advice when it came to applying to college or when it came to applying to law school or when it came to looking for jobs or places to live. I've never sought anybody's advice when it came to choosing doctors. I don't seek people's advice for a lot of things. I just figured that I knew more than everyone else. And I know now that that's just dumb. And King Solomon pretty much said the same thing. Look what he said in Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? 
there is more hope for a fool than for them. So, was King Solomon saying that I am a fool for thinking I know everything? No, he wasn't saying that. He's saying that I'm not even as bright as a fool for thinking I know everything. He's saying that I am more hopeless than a fool. Thanks, Uncle Saul. Solomon's point here was that when we're in the middle of a new season, we actually put ourselves at risk when we think we know everything. So instead, when we find ourselves in a new season, that should be a time to seek even more help. That should be a time to seek the guidance and counsel of others. We are worse than fools if we think otherwise. It's typically pride that keeps us from reaching out. And to remedy this problem, we need to learn to overcome our pride. There's an old story about the time that heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Muhammad Ali, was flying in an airplane. And the flight attendant stopped in front of his seat and asked him to buckle his seatbelt. And Ali, in typical Ali fashion, some of you remember Ali and the things he said and how he said things, he looked, it up, looked up at her and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which the flight attendant quickly replied, Superman don't need no plane either. Buckle up. <laughs> We're not all that different, are we? We all have at least one area in our lives where we think, I don't need no seatbelt. I'm good. I got this. This is the area in which we most likely do need a seatbelt, in which we do need a lifeline. This is an area in our lives in which we do need to pick up that phone and say, hey, can I run something past you? Or, hey, I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Can you help me out for a few minutes? In fact, knowing that you don't know is the first step to knowing what you don't know. If we can admit that we don't know, if we can't admit that we don't know, we'll never find out what we don't know. And it's for this reason that God has given us others. Proverbs 27, 17, some of you guys have heard it before, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens an other, right? So yeah, that's what we do for each other. We're there for each other so we can point out blind spots to each other. We need to remember this. I need to remember this. It's when we think that we already know that we need someone else. All right, next. The second reason we hesitate to ask is that we're afraid. We are afraid to be honest. Oftentimes, as we talked about in week one, we're, we're too afraid to look in the mirror and stare at what's actually there, staring back at us. There's something in all of us that keeps us from wanting to actually see who we are and where we are in our lives. And it's, it's hard to keep on going in life until you know, until you precisely know the answers to those questions. We hesitate to be honest with others because we're afraid that they'll judge us or they'll try to take advantage of us in some way. But as followers of Jesus, we ought to know better. Sin infects all of us, every one of us. None is immune in Psalm 14.3, in the Old Testament, we read, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And it's because we all sin that we need a Savior. 
And because God so loved the world, he provided that Savior for us. He provided us with Jesus, with God the Son, who, notwithstanding our sinfulness, loved us anyway. And out of his love for us, he made a way for us to be connected forever to God. He paid for our sins when he died on the cross, was put into the tomb, and rose from the dead, ascending to heaven with a promise to return one day and usher in God's kingdom here on earth. And we can tap into that power when we turn from the way that we were and we turn to him, trusting him with our lives and promising to live under his lordship. And the way life works best is once we have trusted in Jesus, we find ourselves some trusted advisors, people with whom we can be honest, people to whom we can reveal our weaknesses and our struggles. Because the truth is that when you pick up the phone to say, hey, I need to tell you, I'm about to move into this season in my life and it's going to require a bit more financial stability. I got to be honest. Financially, I'm kind of a mess right now. Or when we pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm about to move into this new season, that's going to be even more demanding on my marriage. Or, hey, I need to be candid with you. Our kid is about to move to a new place, and I just need to let you know how I'm dealing with it right now. Whatever you need to be honest about, whatever that weakness is, it will likely be a strength for someone else. This is the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. God refers to our community as Jesus's, of Jesus' followers as a body. The Bible describes our body as having metaphorical hands and feet and eyes, all with Jesus as the head. The hand will never say to the foot, hey, you're hurting? Huh, good luck with that. Not going to happen. The hand would say, hey, the knees hurt. You guys, let's help out. And when we go to another member of the body of Christ for help, we can expect that person to look at us and say, Oh, wow, that happens to me too. I'm sorry you're going through this. Let me help you. But if you never open up to another, if, if you've never actually shared with anyone, then you'll never be able to experience the blessing that that kind of openness brings. Incidentally, that's why we want everyone here to become a part of a life group community. A life group is, is a group of people where good stuff happens, where the stuff of life happens. I've been a part of a life group since I became a believer, which is over 25 years ago now. I've built lifelong relationships. I've overcome some daunting challenges as a result of my connection to the people in my life group. I cannot stress how important they are to my relationship with God. As Solomon said, for lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. But if you're unwilling to open up, if you're unwilling to seek counsel when you need it, you'll never experience that victory. You'll never experience that success. You'll never experience that joy that comes from being really honest with people about where you are. So what keeps us from doing it? What keeps us from asking other people? Well, maybe for you, it's not that you think you already know or you think you already know what they're going to say. Maybe you just don't want to be honest. Maybe you just don't want to tell anyone the truth because you're afraid. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you just don't know who to ask. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking, yeah, okay, I know where I need a lifeline, but I don't know who to call. I don't know who to call at all. I don't know what your situation is. I just know that many of us have at times had this thought that we don't know who to ask. So here's King Solomon's bottom line. Here's what Solomon said we should look for. He says, 
we should look for wise people. Not wealthy people, not powerful people, not people in authority, or even people with lots of experience. He says we should look for wise people. Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. We need to find us some wise people. How do we do that? Well, I'd suggest first you tell God. Pray to God about it. God, I need some relationships with some wise people. Please send me some. In Jesus' name, amen. Easy as that. Then I would suggest you get involved with people here from Hammock Street Church. We have a bunch of wise people in our community, not to be confused with wise guys. But we have a bunch of wise people in our community with whom you can begin to do life. And to help get you started, we'd like to get you connected in a life group. In a few weeks, we're starting a group called Starting Point. Starting Point is a group that is designed for anyone interested in exploring the Christian faith or wanting to know more about the Christian faith or going deeper into the Christian faith. If you're interested in Starting Point, you can sign up on our website under Life Groups. Actually, we have a QR code, I think, out in the lobby. Go ahead and sign up out there. If you're interested in leading a group, it doesn't have to be starting point. It could be any group or facilitating a group. That means leading without having to lead. That means you get to play a video and you get to follow the directions and you're on your way. If you're interested in doing that, email me, russell at hammockstreetchurch.com. This is important. Life groups have changed, changed my life. And I will tell you, the first time I ever went to a life group, I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. I thought the people are weird. This is weird. This is awkward. I never want to do this again. But I kept going. It didn't take very long before I thought, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. I want that for you. I mean it. So pray about it and let me know when you can join a life group. In my life group, over the years, we've helped people work through issues with their relationships, with their health, with their addictions, with their struggles. We've celebrated new jobs and new births and new baptisms and birthdays and graduations and all sorts of other life events. And along the way, we endeavor to understand how God plays a role in all of these things. Being connected to others in our community made my life better and has made me better at life. And if it can work for me, it can work for you. Years ago, I heard uh, Pastor Andy Stanley say this, we need friends that care more about the friend than the friendship. Friends who care more about me as a person than our relationship. Think about that. It's those kinds of friends we want in our lives to walk alongside of us when we're making our way through life's challenges. We need to surround ourselves with the kind of people that have the kind of relationship with Jesus that we'd like to have ourselves. When we begin to learn to know what we don't know, God will begin a transformative work in our lives. So don't wait. God wants to bless you. And so as we wrap up today, here's what I learned. When you come right down to it in our lives, it's not really the knowledge that we're looking for. Knowledge is very easy to come by nowadays. There are books, there are podcasts, there are TED Talks, there are YouTube videos, there are sermons, there are messages. And yeah, they can influence your life, sure. But what we're really looking for isn't more knowledge. What we're really looking for, what we're in desperate need of, is a relationship 
with and a connection to another, to someone else. It's how we're wired as humans. It's how God has created us. We need someone who loves us enough to be honest with us. We need someone who's not going to put up with our excuses. We need someone who's going to be gracious enough with us to let us talk things out. Someone who's going to be courageous enough with us to tell us the truth. We need someone that's going to be bold enough to hold us accountable. We need deep, authentic, real relationships. That's the thing that's going to help us thrive when we enter into the next season. And that's my prayer for all of you here today, for all of you watching us online, that not only would you find deeper relationships with God, but that he would become your anchor, but also that he would help you to find community within this community, that you would find that relationship with the people you're sitting around or the people in your group, and that with them you'd be courageous enough to say, can we talk? Can I run something by you? Can I get your opinion on something? Because if you're willing to seek that kind of wise counsel, it might just change everything for you. So as you're packing your bags to head into that next season, I hope you'll bring along your relationships that give you wise counsel because that's what we all need to be able to figure out the next season. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for this community that you're building. Lord, I lift up anyone who is uh, listening to us this morning and thinking, you know what? I need to get connected. I need to find that community. If that describes you, just let us know. We want to get you plugged in. Starting point's a great way to start. Leading a group, also great. God, we, we lift up all those who are considering it, that you would give them the boldness to take the next step, to join, to reach out, and to become a part. We thank you, God, for this. We thank you, God, for all your blessings. We thank you for the week ahead. Lord, allow us to stay close to you as we share you with our area. In Jesus' name, amen.